Friends, grace to you and peace from God who is our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ, our Messiah. Amen. Today, I would like for us to consider for a moment the end. The end times. As we head into Advent, Advent is a season that has us thinking about the end times. And as people of faith today, we are indeed people uh, of the end times living now in the meantime. How does our understanding of the end times shape how we live now in the meantime? There were, was a book or a series of books called the Left Behind series. Is anyone familiar with the Left Behind series? Um, many people read those and they were meaningful for them in their life and their understanding of, of, of what they um, thought the end times would be like. Um, it's particular theology that is not Lutheran. Um, it is a particular theology that we don't espouse at all, um, the idea of rapture. Uh, but those books I found to be quite engaging. As a matter of fact, I had several friends who read them, and that kind of jump-started them thinking about their life of faith. Um, I tell people to feel free to read them. Like all good fiction that's out there, it can be engaging. Um, but to be mindful that that is not the way we generally think of the end times. What's interesting, though, is that in Scripture we have a particular brand or a particular genre of literature that shows up that can often uh, portray uh, the end times in such cataclysmic nature. In the Old Testament, we have the book of Daniel, um, which uses this genre of literature. In the New Testament, we have the book of Revelation, which uses this genre of literature. And then we also see it now, today, in the words of Jesus, and he uses this in the Gospel of Luke. And this genre of literature is called apocalypse. Apocalyptic. It means revelation. It means, in, it means um, unveiling, if you will. And it is a unique genre of literature. What it does is this is it takes contemporary experience and it and it and it then in kind of with using fantastic language and creatures and and other cataclysmic uh, images and it takes what they think the end times is going to be and they transport it to to the now and what they do by doing that is to give you ideally a sense of hope and that is what Jesus is, is doing today. You see, apocalyptic genre as, as a particular narrative style, some people think it was an ancient forerunner of our current um, science fiction. Now, who here is, who's here heard of Star Wars? Who here bought Disney Plus just so you can watch The Mandalorian? I did. Um, the, the, the reality is, think about Star Wars. Think about all the great science fiction that you have. There is good and evil. 
There, is, there are fantastic stories and creatures. There are people that are involved, and ultimately the story is one of hope. As a matter of fact, the very first Star Wars, number four in the series, but the very first Star Wars is called what? Does anyone know Matt Mead? A New Hope. So the reality is, whenever we have this kind of language that we have from Jesus today, think in these terms. Think that this, and particularly when we read the book of Revelation, think in terms of this, that this is an end-time promise being shared in a fantastical way in the meantime. Okay? Okay? So let's look at our gospel lesson for a second. So we have Jesus and his disciples at the temple, right? And they are saying what? Wow, look at this beautiful stones. This is the most amazing place I've ever seen. And Jesus says this, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Now, it's important to know this about Holy Scripture. It's particularly the Gospel of Luke. It was written in, most scholars believe it was written between 75 and 85 A.D. Alright, this was 40, 50 years past Jesus. Now, why is that important? Well, guess what happened in 70 A.D.? The temple was destroyed. So, when the people who are reading the Gospel of Luke are hearing Jesus talk about the temple and it being thrown down, that's a real life experience for them. They had seen it. The Romans had come in and destroyed their temple. They were living now as an, even more so, as an occupied people. They were living in a sense of desperation. And so when Jesus says to them that the temple will be thrown down, and then he says, beware, and he talks about uh, uh, false teachers, and then he says, when you hear of wars and insurrections, that's exactly what had happened. Do not be terrified, for these things must take place. And then he talks about nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms and earthquakes and famines and plagues and all of those in-time fantastical images. And he says that you will be arrested and persecuted. And guess what was happening then? What was happening? They were being persecuted. They will hand you over. All of the things that he talks about here are real life experiences happening in the now. So as Luke writes his gospel, he recalls Jesus' words and shares them with the people so that they might be hopeful. Notice what happens at the end. He says to this, he talks about betrayal of family and friends, he talks about being hated, and then it says, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls. Just like the book of Revelation, which was written to seven churches that were under persecution. It's interesting because uh, one of the most famous parts of the book of Revelation is the number 666. And people go, wow, you know, that's the devil's number, Satan's number, and, and sure. But for the people that read the book of Revelation, 666 was no mystery. 
It referred to Nero, the emperor, Caesar Nero. And everybody who read the book of Revelation knew exactly. The only people that don't know that are us. <laughs> now you know, so good for you. Um, but, but the reality is, this isn't to be a mystery. It's to be very clear to the people who are reading that this is language that is helping us to understand that the experiences that we're going through right now in our lives are held in the amazing love, grace, mercy, and power of the Almighty God who wins in the end. That God's purposes triumph. So for us, as people living in the meantime, what might the end time promises mean? Well, think about your life right now. Think about the struggles, the pains, the hurts, the uncertainties, wherever you are. Think about, take a moment to think about this. Now as you do, be mindful of this. That they've happened to others too before. Perhaps you have gone through those same struggles. Just like when Jesus talks about the wars and the plagues and the famines. Well, guess what? Ever since Jesus said that, those things have kept happening. And people keep wondering, well, when are the end times going to happen? Because this is happening now. Almost every time a new century happens, somebody's saying that the end of the world is coming. It's because all of these things, famines and wars and destructions and persecutions and struggles and pains, all the things that we experience personally in our life, when you have struggles with family or friends, when you have professional issues, if you have health issues, if you have other things that are just struggles, those things have happened all the time and again and again. And we keep wondering, was that a sign of the end times, I believe what that is a sign of is the promise of the end times. That God will not abandon us to those persecutions and brokenness and pain and struggles, but instead that promise that we will all claim at the end time, whenever that happens to be, whether that's next week or in 2,000 more years, whenever that is, brothers and sisters, that promise becomes real in the Spirit of God who comes near now. And you can dare to find hope in that today. You can dare by your endurance to gain hope for your souls. If I were to give this idea a tagline, it would be simply this. God's got this. That in the midst of your struggles and pains, in the midst of all this, God's got this. In the midst of the uncertainty in our nation, in our world, God's got this. In the midst of whatever is happening at your job or in your, in your professional life, God's got this. In the midst of your personal life, God's got this. That we are never without hope. The best part of the book of Revelation, I think, is the end. Again, the part that you read and you go, look, we win. And it's this beautiful image. You see, the rapture theology that people espouse says that the world is blown up and that 
all of us are taken away to some other place. Well, that's not at all the biblical image that we get in Revelation. You know what we get? We get a redeemed earth. And then I saw the new heavens and the new earth come down. For God's home is among us. You see, in the end, we're not taken to God. In the end, in the end, God comes to us again. And that end time promise of the God who makes God's home with us is the God who makes His home with you today in every way. Live in that confidence because God's got this. In Jesus' name, amen.